0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Welcome to another Thursday night edition of FAMS Radio. I'm Thomas Watts, one of your hosts. My general cohort, Drew DeArmond, is off this evening. He is busy covering high school football for ESPN 97.7 The Zone. Wish him well, and with any luck, he'll be back next week. We might have to change our programming schedule slightly next week, too, because maybe you've heard, but there is a uh, a slight, small, trivial football game going down in dallas between our alabama crimson tide and the usc trojans but here's the lineup for tonight tonight it's going to be william redfish barger and i throughout the first hour and then drew was kind enough to provide me with some audio from both his scrimmage thoughts about a half hour scrimmage take and then 20 minutes with john garcia so we'll get a little back into the show. We'll be Drew scrimmage take and some recruiting news from John Garcia. I want to emphasize a couple of things before I work on getting Redfish on the line. I'm actually going to have to play some music to do that because I'm wearing multiple hats today. So as we all know, unfortunately, there was a tragic situation in Louisiana with the floods, and there are some folks out there that listen to BAMs. You know, I consider them a part of the community. And so we are going to try and help them for our first tailgate. First tailgate, first home game of the year, we're going to have it, normal spot beside Moore Hall. It's going to be potluck style. We ask for $5 or we ask for some kind of food item. All donations we receive will go to help the folks in Baton Rouge. Uh, I'm going to give a quick hat tip to Go Crimson on Twitter uh, go Crimson was nice enough to help direct me where I needed to go in terms of who to give the money to. So uh, we're, we're absolutely glad to help however we can. And I just, again, I just wanted to make folks aware of that I'm going to keep trying to publicize it, get the word out. We want to try and raise some money just to help out some folks that right now, given, given the state, given the pictures on the Internet, and you know I realize the pictures don't do it justice, but given the pictures on the Internet, not a good situation down there. And we want to help however we can. Now, to the more fun part of the show, Redfish and I will be on first hour, Drew will be second hour, but uh, we want to invite callers. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about the Crimson Tide, but uh, if you have a question for William or Ryan Hour 1, or you want to talk to me in Hour 2 in between audio audio blasts, give us a call at 714-510-3707, and we would absolutely love to hear from you. But let me do this real fast. I have to call William to get him onto our lines and quite frankly I cannot both do that and talk to you folks at the same time. So I'm going to play a little 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 something, you know, just take an early break if you are listening on podcast, I'm actually just going to cut this audio out so that you're not having to wait for decent content. So you know just bear with me, we'll be back in hopefully the next minute we'll be talking a lot of scrimmage and we, uh, it'll be all manner of good stuff for our listeners. We'll be right back with a little more BAMS Radio with Redfish. And we are back. Took me about a minute and a half to get William Redfish Barger onto the show with me. He is joining us now on the Sunbelt Tents Hotline. Fish, how you doing this evening, buddy? Doing good, Thomas. How about you, man? It is it, it is crazy. I swear, it's like college football happens, and it hasn't happened yet. In that last little, like, rush to the finish, everybody goes nuts, and I am absolutely swept up in that. I cannot wait. I am excited as all hell, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm hoping that we can put our heads together and uh, and and maybe shed a little light on a few. Situations with the Crimson Tide this go around. So I have to. I know you, you said to me just now that you missed the scrimmage, but you have a bunch of reports. You know, just kind of plumb the depths of what you've heard. What were what were your scrimmage thoughts based on the sec, what your friend said? You know, what, what what kind of what kind of did you see just as an overall and overarching theme? Did anything stand out to you in your multiple conversations? Well, you
2: know, I was there for the first one. Um, I wasn't there for the one last Saturday. Um, And, you know, all the reports that I got back were, um, you know, it is still obvious that, you know, Jalen Hurts is the most, you know, talented quarterback on Alabama's campus. Um, But the thing that really stuck out to me was, you know, Terrell Hall was getting, you know, a lot of push, um, you know, sacking the quarterback, Uh, you know, people were talking about Joshua Jacobs, the true freshman running back, which I think that's probably outside of of the quarterback position. I think that might be, you know, the the other, you know, position movement where, you know, you might want to talk about things. Uh, But, you know, me personally, you know, something that I saw today was you know from Phil Savage, um, where he was talking about how this is going to be the, you know the, the most athletic and, and and talented defense that Nick Saban has had, um, you know at any level of football that he's ever had. And I think that's a huge story.
1: I happened to see that, and I thought it was very I thought it was very enlightening. Uh, I I did get to see the scrimmage this past Saturday. And I mean, it was, it was like a swarm of killer bees out there. Quite frankly, it was, I, I, in some ways I felt sorry for the Alabama running backs or the Alabama quarterbacks, because if they did anything, it was three and four guys and they, and they weren't just moving, you know, they weren't sluggish, they were moving. So after Phil Savage said that, you know, obviously you feel good when someone corroborates what, what you had seen personally. So, I think, you know, really in terms of that, the sky's the limit with this defense. And do you attribute some of the the speed, some of the shift, do you attribute that to Jeremy Pruitt?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that's what, you know, he brings to the program is, you know, once he's gone out on his own and, you know, at Florida State and two years at Georgia and, you know, you talk about what he's going to do this year with Alabama – and you know the thing that he has said you know kind of over and over um you know he's real worried about next year's defense, so to speak, from a recruiting standpoint, and I think that comes from um you know defensive tackles, defensive ends, you know getting those guys in there, but as far as what he feels like, you know the ball of play that he has to work with with this year's defense. Um, he is very confident. You know, he's, you know, talking to people. Um, and it feels like that it's going to be, you know, the best thing that he's ever had to work with.
1: Wow. And I don't mean to to look ahead, but a lot of Jeremy Pruitt's concern on the recruiting trail is just getting more big bodies to be up front. Could you expand on that a little bit? That I hadn't heard that. I have to admit you caught me a little by surprise.
2: Well, I think what his concern is, you know, you, you've got, you know, John Allen, um, you know, Tomlinson, you know, maybe even there's a, a chance that, you know, Deshaun Hamm gets tagged and, you know, moves up in the in the draft order. So, you know, there there's some concerns there with the front seven as far as next year's defense. But as far as this year's defense is concerned, um You know, uh, I thought Phil Savage put it together today, the best that I've seen. Uh, This is going to be the the fastest and the most athletic defense that Nick Saban has put on the field at Alabama. And,
1: and, you know, it's interesting to me that Phil Savage said that. And uh, look out spread teams. I think you have to feel pretty good. You know, you can check me on this once I make my point, Fish. But uh, I have to feel pretty good about the Ole Miss game, the Texas A and M game, that the spread, the teams that you spread principles where you have to counter athleticism with athleticism, and even, even I have. And the other thing I saw, you know, speaking about the other end of the spectrum, the Arkansas and the LSU's even on the second the second line watching Josh Frazier and Rayquan Davis if he gets eligible they got some beef there that can come in to play against an LSU or an Arkansas so I, I'm pretty excited I have to admit I, th- I feel sorry for poor Max Brown the USC starting quarterback because he is going to walk into a buzzsaw in about 10 days but I'll take a, a crimson colored buzzsaw any day quite frankly but you know, what have you heard? I guess that's really the question in terms of the issue, I, I, issue in air quotes, I, I, this is an, you know, Crimson Tide problem. There's a hashtag for you on Twitter, but with this athleticism, with all this speed, how concerned are you that Alabama will suffer against more pro style smash mouth teams? Is that a concern for you at all?
2: No, it's really not. Um, I think that the uh you know the, the teams that you're talking about, you know, the Arkansas, the LSUs, the Georgias. Who? Hey, hey Oh, you want to hear Yeah. Hang on one second, Thomas. I gotta get I gotta get this damn uh, peach pizza signed off for, for
0: the kids. <laughs> Hang on. Yep,
1: you know. um, the the, the glory of live radio watch. fish. It's all right. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> You know, talking to a William Redfish Barger about pro style defenses. If you want to call in, if you have a question for Fish, I'll uh, since he's getting a pizza, I will throw him out as fresh meat for five dollars. Okay, thank you, buddy. <laughs> thank you, buddy. All right, get that
2: beat. Good to be All you right.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, but you, what know, you were I saying think about pro style the... defense, offense. Excuse me.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think you know what you have to look at with this you know team this year. When you look at you know what. Alabama fans have expected, you know, the, the 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 defense with the the Arkansas's, the Georgias, the OSU's, you know, the the teams that have a, you know, quote unquote pro style offense. What, you know, how is this team gonna, you know, factor in there with that? But what I would say to everybody is. Um, you know the pro scouts have gone out there and they've evaluated all this stuff, and you know what they've come back and said is this is the fastest and the most athletic defense we have seen since the two thousand and one, two thousand and two Miami team. So that's what Alabama fans need to look at. Um, it, it, it's it's just ridiculous.
1: Now I hadn't heard the Miami comparison, but uh for fans that might you know for our younger listeners or fans that are not uh as in tune with college football that Miami defense ended up have that miami team ended up having something like twenty of the twenty two on that two d both sides of the ball drafted and something like nine or eleven first first-round picks so you know so crazy amounts of talent that's being compared to in you know to take the conversation further that 2001 Miami team is in the conversation for greatest college football team ever assembled. You know you can you, we you could debate that fish you and I could probably spend the rest of the evening on that but definitely some rare air for the defense and you know one more quick defensive thing cuz i really i want to dig into the quarterbacks a lot more. That's been the real hot button topic this week. I have to say fish having seen the scrimmage this past saturday It kind of clicked why Kendall Sheffield wanted to leave. It didn't click as much with Mo Smith, but at the same time it certainly changed my perspective because even though the young defensive backs, in a couple of cases, blew a coverage, blew a coverage to their extreme detriment, they're out there and they're competing. You know, what did you see from your – or, you know, what did you see from the first scrimmage? And also, what did you hear coming out of the second scrimmage regarding the defensive backs and, and, you know, particularly the young guys?
2: Well, you know, the first thing that I saw, you know, was something that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt shared with me in May was, you know, hey, I don't understand where all this, you know, hype is coming from um, about Kendall Sheffield. It's not coming from me. Um, so, you know, Jeremy did not like him from the get go. Um, he viewed him as a a fast kid, um, got a good body, but you know, not the guy that I really want to go to war with. So, you know, that's that's one thing. And and you know, you've seen guys like Jared Maiden, um, you know, at one spot, you know, A Rob uh at the other. You know Carter, you know and Diggs at safety. You've seen those guys rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's just a byproduct of you know Kirby Smart versus Jeremy Pruitt. You know that that's a uh, you know another conversation. But you know what is happening is you know the pro scouts have all come around. You know they've watched you know summer practice. And you know what they're all saying is this is the best defense. It's got the most athletic players that Nick Saban has ever had at his disposal. That are going to walk out there for Alabama against USC. So that that's what
1: you got to work with. Okay, that's fair. I just I I was curious. You know, I want to shift. I want to shift the conversation a little bit. I want I want to really zero in on the offense and. I am going to curveball you just slightly before we get into the quarterbacks, which is probably going to eat up some serious time. But uh, here's a question that I haven't heard asked of anybody, and not much conversation about it either. Redfish, is Brandon Green the blocking tight end we've always we've always wanted since Michael Williams graduated? You know, do you see him having a role? I realize he's kind of buried with Hale Hintges and OJ Howard, but that's a big old boy for a tight end. What do you think there? He's lost like, you know, close to 50 pounds. I'll say that He's still huge, I could say.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. You know, Hertz, if
2: Jalen Hurts is, you know, the starting quarterback by old Miss, there's a really good chance that O.J. Howard wins the Heisman and Brandon Green is the runner-up.
1: Because so he distributes Taylor. the ball those guys okay. really effectively. Well, I think that's a fantastic segue, actually. Uh, the quarterbacks, I can say, from seeing – I saw it live, like I said, on Saturday. And my impression was that, unfortunately, Blake Barnett's on the outside looking in because he continues to be plagued by turnovers. It's been said yep. on this program and others that he hadn't done that as badly, but going off purely what I've seen, it continues to be an issue. So I feel like he has done himself no favors. But I look at the dynamic between Cooper Bateman and Jalen Hurts, like how they looked. Cooper Bateman wasn't perfect, and you could tell, at least I felt like a couple of his mistakes, most notably the pick six he threw to Minka Fitzpatrick was that Minka Fitzpatrick has seen this guy play so much that he knew where he was going to go and he just got there first. That's something you can scheme around to me personally. And you know, I'll, I'll you know, check, check my logic when, in a second here with this William, but that's something you can kind of scheme away. You can't completely hide it, but you can make it a little bit easier, particularly early in the season before there's a lot of film on the young man in Jalen hurts case. I felt like a lot of his stuff was almost lack of repetitions based and not because he hasn't been getting reps because he is still a true freshman throwing to a wide receiver that zagged when Jalen Hurts thought he was going to zig and in doing so threw it into a DB. So those were my impressions about the quarterbacks, William, you know, does that jive with, with your thoughts or what you've heard from? and not even just the scrimmage, but overall,
2: No, absolutely. I I think what you're seeing is, you know, what Nick Saban wants to see out of this quarterback battle is, you know, the guy that's going to put the team in the best position to win. And I totally agree with what you just said. And so that's what we're going to see versus Southern Cal is, you know, Cooper Bateman is going to get the start. Um Jalen Hurts is going to get, you know, two series in the first half, two series in the second half. And, you know, let's go. But I think what you're seeing is um you know, by the time they go play old Miss on the road, they want to see, you know, I'm I'm just talking about the coaching staff. They want to see Jalen Hurts, you know, as that guy but they want to bring him along
1: slowly. So, and I think that that timeline jives. Like, I've heard very similar things. And do you see that changing at all? I mean, I know that, you know, thinking about the quarterback race, just in my head as we're talking, I feel like it was – uh the conversation has changed two or three times either based on scrimmages or based on practices. What would it take to now change it again, or do you think that's pretty much what we're going to do, given that most of most of the moves if you will, most of the quarterback reshuffling happens during scrimmages? Do you think that what what would it take you know would it would it take just a disaster or is that pretty much set in stone?
2: I think you bring a great point up, but
1: I don't think
2: it will take a great performance by Hurts versus a, you know, a bad performance by, by Bateman. But I do think that, you know, what they have in place right now as far as the quarterback rotation, it, it, it's it's set in
1: stone. Okay. Uh, and again, I'm pl- honestly Redfish. I'm playing devil's advocate because. From what I saw this past weekend, am I wild about Cooper Bateman as the starting quarterback two months into the season? No, I'm really not. I, I think what he'd have go for what he'd have going for him would be diminished. But I am absolutely wild about a more seasoned Jalen Hurts tearing it up. And, and I know we said this last week, and I'm going to keep riding this bandwagon because I have nothing to lose. If Jalen Hurts does win this job. We spoke about defense next year, and Najee Harris comes in, and Najee Harris has the impact that you know his ta- he plays up to his talent level. I realize it's difficult; it'll be difficult to break in as a true freshman. The Alabama offense next year could challenge Florida State for the most points scored ever if Nick Saban will let them, because that's just, that's just crazy potential there. I'm I'm, I'm staking on that bandwagon, but we shall see. We shall see. You know, Fish. I said we spent a long time on the quarterbacks, but unfortunately either we're really good at our jobs or the quarterbacks have been talked to death because <laughs> not much else to talk about just because I think the conversation has spun forward so quickly off the last scrimmage. So you mentioned Josh Jacobs a few minutes ago, running backs from what I saw on Saturday running back is, I don't want to say in a weird state of flux, but I do want to say that it's a little more wide – I got the impression that it's a little more wide open. It's not just Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, and then you'll have garbage time guys. I got much more the impression that there's a legitimate battle going on. Was that just the way the rotation played out, or is there there's some meat on that bone in your mind?
2: No, I think, you know, number one, you know – It's kind of like the quarterback competition. I think, you know, Bo Scarborough was the guy that, you know, everybody looked at and they said, you know, he was the sexy choice. But, you know, he's kind of shied away from competition. Um, You know, you've had those two, uh, you know, true freshmen come in and, you know, done it. Um but let let's, let let's just see how that thing works out.
1: That's fair. I mean again, I, I just it struck me this past weekend that it it you know, Damian Harris came out with the ones and ran a little bit. Bo Scarborough ran a little bit, but you saw a lot of Josh Jacobs a lot of B J Emmons as well. It was just it was very uh I don't want to say it. It was eye-opening. It was just somewhat surprising to me. But I guess here's the thing: it, it, Does Damian Harris trot out with Cooper Bateman against USC, or is it Bo Scarborough in your mind? No,
2: uh, right now,
1: you know, yeah,
2: I hate ten days away. This. <laughs> yeah, but you know, no. Uh, the, the the running back packing order is. Uh, Bo Scarborough is number two behind Damien
1: Harris. Wow. I See, uh, Fish, I have to admit, I hadn't heard that, but I've also been hip deep in classes today. And so, the, and really hip deep this week. So, solid, solid information on that and I didn't realize. So, I think the last offensive group we haven't talked about is your old uh, your old stomping ground, Redfish, on the offensive line. The impression that I get is Cam Robinson, Lester Cotton, Ross Pierce-Baker, Bradley Bozeman, Jonah Williams has been pretty much sorted out. What's your read on the offensive line situation, and where do you think this group, you know, where does this group fall in in terms of potential in your eyes for this season?
2: Um I think people are going to get their, you know, Saturdays ruined uh, with what Lester Cotton and Cam Robinson are doing. <laughs> um, no, no way, no how. This is the best offensive line
1: that Alabama has had since twenty thirteen. That 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 DJ Fluker line, yep. with Cyrus Quanjo. Uh, that is exciting because that line just ate people. (laughs) It just ate people. And, 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 you know, if you want to go back to that season, if Alabama runs one of the four times that they were coming back against Texas A&M, as opposed to that kind of fluky dookie pass situation that made no sense to me and to this, it will almost never make sense to me, they probably win that game. So, I – Wow. So, so you're going to see a lot of a lot of zone read left stuff potentially. Jalen Hurts around left around left tackle.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: Wow. I mean, you know, get you know, forget about all those stuff. He is the real deal. That is that is solid information, and uh, I hope our listeners appreciate it. Before we move on, Fish, I do want to say uh, if any of our listeners have questions for Fish. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit fish or me, but Fish is really a star here. I'm just kind of driving the ship. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. It's uh, at BAMS Radio. I'm keeping an eye on that. You can call in at at seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven, Or we do have a back chat, a chat room, where I have a few people just listening. If you want to come in and ask a question there, we will answer it as soon as possible. You know, one group, Fish, and I, I, I was I was remiss with this. All right, we have lost William. And uh, I, I will work to get him back. I think it was just a connection problem. That, <laughs> as anyone who has listened to this show or other live radio shows where the producer has to be both producer and host, that happens. Uh, like I said before, we lost him. If you want to get into the conversation, feel free to give us a call at 714 517 3707. And uh, I want to briefly say to Kevin in the back chat, I see your question. Once I get Fish back, we will definitely answer it directly. And if anyone else, you know, Kevin, obviously keep the questions coming, but uh, if anyone else is listening live, just jump into our chat, and ask a question, we'll get her going as quick as we can. Uh, unfortunately, I don't like dead air, so I'm going to play another song while I get Redfish back, and uh, we will be right back with a little more BAMS Radio. Welcome back to some more Thursday Night BAMS Radio. I'm Thomas Watts. They uh, they foolishly let me out of the producer's booth to talk, but that is what it is. William's having some technical difficulty with his cell phone. Hopefully we'll get him back. We only had him until about 8.50, so he might just have to drop off. But to answer a question that we got in our back chat, will Nigel not likely redshirt due to missing some time with his knee? Short answer, yes. While there are some... I hate to say depth concerns with the secondary. You want to start getting that, that, that second line in, but the second line with your, your Jared maidens and your shy carters, that group has really performed, you know, the young, the young, the uh, guys that were just seniors in high school last year have really stepped up. So I would think that Nigel not will redshirt and will be an impact, have an impact in the spring, assuming his rehab. I'm not sure of his rehab timetable off the top of my head, but I would expect him to become an ins- ins- have an impact, excuse me, and go on from there. But we'll see. What's, what's so interesting to me, looking at the defensive backs from – this past weekend was that there were so many young players and they continued to compete. Even when there were some struggles, struggles that were a misunderstanding in the defense. And before Alabama fans get bent out of shape about the, you know, coverage buff like that, they happened to everybody. I mean, OJ Howard's 200 yards were, were most of those were chunk plays where the Clemson defense just lost him. So Nick Saban's pretty good about avoiding those, but when you're a young kid and you haven't seen as much action, it causes a problem. But, okay, here's what we're going to do. I had said in the second hour that I was going to play a, a Drew Armin scrimmage take, as well as some recruiting info from John Garcia. And because I've lost Redfish early, I'm just going to go in and let the— scrimmage take go from drew since redfish and i spent some time on the scrimmage again if you want to ask questions about the scrimmage of me now or you just want to you know talk to me on the phone give us a call at 714-510-3707 i'd we'd love to hear from you but this this interview this scrimmage take from drew is about 30 minutes long i'm going to let it rip and i hope everyone enjoys it
3: this is a scrimmage review for the Alabama Crimson Tide following scrimmage number two, uh, fall camp 2016. I'm your host, Drudy D'Armond. Just wanted to kind of give a position-by-position position overview and what I saw on this past Saturday. And, of course, everyone wants to know about the quarterbacks. Well, none of them played well. All struggled. All had multiple turnovers. Uh, no question about that. Uh, did not uh, get the job done. Uh, As far as uh, who went out with the ones, Cooper Bateman was the first quarterback. He got off to a nice start. He hit Ardarius Stewart on a busted coverage uh, for a big play early, Uh, but uh, that drive ended up stalling, and Alabama had to settle for a field goal uh, from Adam Griffith from uh, 30-plus yards. Uh, So they couldn't finish that drive, and that was kind of a – Portent of things to come for uh, Cooper Bateman. Shortly after, uh, continuing with the ones, he threw a pick uh, to Minka Fitzpatrick uh, that was nearly returned for a touchdown inside the five-yard line uh, on a quick screen. That ended up leading to a touchdown. Blake Barnett uh, was with the ones. He uh, handed off to Bo Scarborough. It was a three-yard TD so, overall, uh, Cooper Bateman didn't get off to a really strong start. After that, he was uh, on the bench for a long period of time, or on the sideline, I should say. And Blake Barnett uh, got every opportunity with the ones, as did Jalen Hurts. Both uh, had uh, a lot, got several reps to, to kind of try to prove themselves. Uh, but, again, none of them stood out. Blake Barnett started making strides. Uh, he had his team backed up inside the five-yard line, drove them past midfield, uh, with a nice mixture of run and pass. Uh, he hit Al Hinches on a quick screen, got him out of the hole a little bit. just uh, made a nice run after the catch and had an outstanding scrimmage, uh, though he did have a drop. Uh, but uh, the but but the tide uh, uh, you know with Blake Barnett at the helm on that drive. Uh, shortly thereafter, he hit uh, Calvin Ridley on a crossing route, and Calvin, uh, you know, it it was explosive in the scrimmage though he didn't make a lot of big plays. He did flash though, but it was an outstanding throw to Calvin. Looked like uh, Alabama was going to uh, maybe that, that you you were going to see maybe this is a defining drive in this quarterback battle. You were thinking Blake Barnett may finally get over that hump. Uh, for the Crimson Tide. But uh, what uh, ended up happening with Barnett is shortly thereafter, really the next play right after that uh, big play pass to Ridley to get them past midfield and into plus territory, he inexplicably uh, botched his own read, which I believe was recovered by Deontay Thompson, likely would have been returned for a touchdown after it was deflected. And really it wasn't even a pressured situation. It was just not very good ball handling. Barnett uh, you know, commits the turnover, and from that point forward, he just really struggled in the scrimmage. Uh, he threw two interceptions. One was not his fault. One was bounced off the wide receiver's hands, and he had a, several good throws dropped. So, you know, it wasn't all his fault on this day, uh, but he did throw a uh, bad uh, pick six to Eddie Jackson later in the scrimmage. And also, uh, he uh, had an, uh, he had another lost fumble. He was able to get some work with the ones on goal line uh, as they do that every scrimmage. And uh, once again, he botched his own read that was recovered by Rashawn Evans and crew and would have resulted uh, in a turnover for the offense. So just overall, really, continuing to implode is Blake Barnett, just turning the ball over too much, too many errors, really unforced. The two uh, most glaring, again, were the fumbles. Just inopportune times on both of them, and it kept him from kind of stepping forward. And then Jalen Hurts got plenty of reps. He also threw a couple of picks. Uh, Trevon Diggs picked him off, went down the sideline one time on a crossing route, uh, and uh, you, you, you're and you're thinking, uh, you know, it's, it's just part of him being a young quarterback. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he, and he threw another pick late uh, as well uh, that was intercepted. Uh, uh, but so he, he struggled just a little bit with his throwing, though he did make some nice throws and I did do a good job. But in his defense also in all – all three quarterbacks. Uh, the tight ends uh, were shorthanded with uh, O.J. Howard and Brandon Green, arguably the top two options at the position, not practicing, uh, each taking uh, the, the day off as Alabama continued to repel Hinches and try to see what they had there. Miller all the true freshman, Irv Smith, the true freshman, and then Truett Harris got some playing time as well, the walk-on, who's a senior, but uh, they they look like they've developed some depth at tight end. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Hinchis uh, has turned into a quality option. Uh, and then O.J. Howard and Brandon Green are big because in the scrimmage of the week before, uh, Jalen Hurts had had really good chemistry with them and uh, he used them as check downs and was able to hit them several times to move the chains. But uh, Jalen Hurts overall – Again, he he did suffer uh, a couple of interceptions, uh, but uh, he still, I thought, uh, made some plays at times. And when he was in the game, there was a lot of direct runs used. Uh, he, uh, He did throw a touchdown pass to Gary Dieter, who also had a drop, but still he hit the transfer from Bowling Green for a touchdown on a drive. Also Calvin Ridley in the back of the end zone during goal line work. He was able to drive the team. He, he, his team scored the most touchdowns in the scrimmage, and the big thing was on a lot of these uh, called direct runs or zone reads, uh, they would have been a nice plays, including one on a zone read where he juked uh, Deshaun Hand out of his jock strap. So I do think overall with the quarterbacks, when you look at it and you look at how this offense is constituted, uh, and, the, and the weapons they have. Uh, they have a, an offensive line. The ones on the offensive line uh, did an, a pretty nice job. It was, uh, for, for the most part, uh, 90-something percent of the reps was uh, Ross Baker, of course, at center. Uh, the right guard, Bradley Bozeman, who continues to battle Shank Taylor, and then right tackle Jonah Williams, who held his own even as an 18-year-old true freshman. Left guard, Lester Cotton, the sophomore from Tuscaloosa, and the left tackle, Cam Robinson. So the ones were very solid. The twos along the offensive line, J.C. Hassan, at center. Uh, your left guard uh, was Brandon Kennedy, the true freshman uh, from Wetumpka, uh, Alabama. And your left tackle was Matt Womack. Your right tackle, Corin Curvin, still uh, – uh, Curvin has improved, but to be a good football player, uh, I wouldn't go that far. He's still – if he has to play for an extended period of time, I think Alabama uh, would – would be in some trouble. And then Shank Taylor being the backup right guard, Shank went out late in the scrimmage uh, after getting a few reps with the ones. And, of course, the only change in the O-line at that time was Bradley Bozeman going to the bench. Later uh, they did in the scrimmage uh, for a a short period of time, they did try one other combination with the ones, and that was uh, Ross Pierce-Baker going back to his old left guard slot and J.C. Hasenauer getting some time at center, probably an injury precaution. But those were really the only combinations you saw along the ones, along the offensive line. They're trying to develop a uh, a solid two deep. Uh, Chris Owens is the third left tackle, the true freshman. He definitely looks the part physically. He's got a chance uh, to be a pretty good football player. Uh, but And then Josh Casher is your third center. Uh, they really, they, they tried a combination uh, of young men at guard, but they've got a lot of good young talent uh, at the offensive guard positions that just needs to be developed. But uh, still two really solid offensive line groups and and then another one, Uh, a third group trying to be built but that that probably won't take place until next year Scott Lashley of course your third uh, left uh, right tackle, excuse me. Uh, so that that's pretty much uh, where it where it stands uh, along the offensive line. Deontay Brown getting some work with the threes, also uh, at offensive guard, and Dallas Warmack. They can put together three solid offensive lines. Uh, there's still some uh, issues as, as far as depth, quality depth at tackle, but still uh, three solid uh, you know offensive lines with young talent, especially in the interior. As we said, Dallas Warmack. Uh, With the threes, some uh, Joshua Casher, the third center, uh, and 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 just overall, uh, some some good looking young talent uh, on that offensive line. A little surprising that uh, uh, that uh, uh, that at least this point in his career, you would have thought Chris Owens would have started uh, on the inside, but he has started at left tackle with the threes, but. He's uh, someone that in the in the near in the future wouldn't be surprised, especially uh, you know with uh, with the signing class being brought in this year that he moves inside the guard. But Richie Pettibon not practicing, uh, returning from that uh, torn ACL. But still, you've got Deontay Brown, Dallas Wormack, his third team guards. Those are talented guys. Josh Casher, uh, and then as we said, uh, uh, Chris Owens at left tackle. Uh, and then the right tackle being Scott Lastly. So those were your three groups at the offensive line. Uh, but the the first and second groups are the one to watch because there's there's really only competition though really at the right guard spot. But I think Bradley Bozeman is on the cusp of winning that. Uh, battle. Uh, he's done an outstanding job. Shank Taylor trying to continue to drop weight, but it looks like the first group offensive line is what you've seen. J.C. hassenauer is a quality guy at center. That's why they gave him a, a few, se- a couple series uh, with the ones. But overall, it's going to be Ross Pierce Baker. It looks like Bradley Bozeman at right guard, uh, and then as we said, uh, Brandon Kennedy getting some time with the with the twos. Uh, at left guard, but he's uh, uh, also uh, been he, he's also done had some time in the spring with the ones at right guard, but not with the ones right now uh, because it just looks like Lester Cotton. They want him inside. He and Cam Robinson could be a definite a a dominant left side of the offensive line. But your your ones along the offensive line right now looks to be uh, from left to right: Cam Robinson, uh, Lester Cotton, Ross Pierce Baker, and your right guard. Uh, being Bradley Bozeman, uh, and then right tackle Jonah Williams, who's just a freak of nature. He's only going to be a true freshman, but I think he has a very bright future. And so offensively, I just think when you look at that, the running backs are a concern uh, because Bo Scarborough was not with the ones. Uh, The ones were Damian Harris. Uh, He he spent most of the time with the ones. Bo Scarborough did get some reps with them. Uh, and, uh, and 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 made some nice runs, but again, a couple of times would have gotten the quarterbacks killed. He does not do a very good job at times with his pass protection, so Bo Scarborough is somebody, I think he, if you want to say a disappointment of fall camp 2016, he is probably that guy. He has been uh, he has not been the dominant guy. Many people were putting uh, expectations of, of being better than Derrick Henry on him. That has not been the case thus far. He did not finish spring very strong. And, uh, was just was uh, and then Damian Harris was considered uh, the top tailback uh, as William Redfish Barger has. on my uh, show, uh, Talking Ball, on 97.7 The Zone and on BAM's radio. Uh, But Damian Harris right now is with the ones, Bo Scarborough with the twos, and then you're seeing the two young backs, BJ Immons and Joshua Jacobs, who have both done very good things. But in the two scrimmages, really, the best back has been Joshua Jacobs. Uh, He broke in the first scrimmage three runs of 15 to 20 yards and was outstanding. Uh, And then uh, he had the best run of scrimmage number two, about an 8-9 yarder against the ones. Uh, As he was with the twos, uh, as he scored a touchdown, broke a couple tackles, hit the hole really hard. And a very telling comment, and remember this, near the end, after the Red Elephant Club scrimmage, Coach Saban said to our group, uh, somebody asked him about the running back, he said all four of them are young, they're going to have to get better without the ball, blocking, running pass routes, but he said Joshua Jacobs reminds him of Mark Ingram, and I don't think he meant that as far as talent goes, uh, the style of runner, in other words, but he meant that as far as mental retention and just the cerebral approach he takes and how smart he is as a football player. Because I've been hearing great things about Joshua Jacobs and how he'd been picking up the offense this summer, and that he was definitely going to be a factor, and it looks like that's going to be the case, but I think they have four good backs, maybe not a dominant one, and this is why I've come to this conclusion. When you look at the way Alabama as offense is constituted. They have a very good wide receiver core. It wasn't their best day. They they suffered a lot of drops. Uh, Calvin Ridley was probably the best of the group. Robert Foster flashed. And then our Darius Stewart. Those are are your top three guys. Then you've got Gary Dieter, who's still uh, fitting in, in the slot. I think he's going to be a really good football player, though. Had a touchdown pass on that bust we were talking about. Uh, And and he's been solid thus far. uh, And I think he's going to have a really good season. And then Cam Sims. Cam Sims missed the last part of the scrimmage uh, with a uh, kind of irritated his knee. He he looks to be okay. That's your top five. Uh, Derek Keefe is probably, and Trevon Diggs has been playing both ways and they're in the mix for that uh, sixth wide receiver spot we saw a little bit of Raheem Falcons, I would think Derek Keith would have the edge, uh, but right now, Alabama got five really good uh, wide receiver targets, they feel very good about the top four, and if Cam Sims is healthy, that's five, uh, but with the way this offense is constituted, you're going to have to get the ball to these uh, wide receivers, because they need their touches, but uh, in order to make it easier on them and easier on these running backs, since you don't have a bell cow back and you're going to have some inexperience on the offensive line, I really believe that you need to go with Jalen Hurts' mobility at the quarterback position. Uh, again, there were several times they called direct quarterback runs or zone reads. He made a uh, Deshaun hand miss, and he would have been uh, hard to deal with if it wasn't just two-hand touch on a couple of these other runs. It looked like they had something uh, cooking there. He didn't seem too phased uh, too by the moment. Uh, and I just really think he's a special kid. Uh, you know, everyone knows I was uh, on the Blake Barnett train, but he just continues to turn the ball over uh, too much. And with and then Cooper Bateman, he was solid. He made some good solid throws, but, again, still turning it over about as much as the other guys. You haven't seen him use his legs. Not sure he's willing to. Uh, I do think there's a good chance Cooper Bateman, because of his experience, takes the first snap against Southern Cal, but I predict Jalen Hurts is going to play. And I think, honestly, he's down, the, you know, in the near future, he's going to be the quarterback for the University of Alabama, maybe by Ole Miss. He just, he's got that extra run dimension. And with this football team, and you don't have a dominant Derrick Henry, T.J. Yeldon type running back, what we've seen, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, you need uh, Eddie Lacy, you need someone uh, who, can, who, who you need to game plan for on every down. And that's Jalen Hurts. He can help the running game. Help the wide receivers, uh, and I think he can do an outstanding job. But again, I think uh, just as an overview, uh, the running backs. I think you've got four good backs. No great backs yet. We'll see if Bo Scarborough does he want it bad enough, or is he? Right now, I think he's soft. Uh, and I'm not sure uh, that he. And lazy, and he's not. And, and a lot of pass protection just want to. he's just not doing what he needs to be doing right now. The quarterbacks, again, I would after the scrimmage uh, on Saturday, I would have rated him Jalen Hurts uh, by a shade over Cooper Bateman, and then. Uh, And then uh, Blake Barnett, and this is the way I look at it. Cooper Bateman's been in the program four years. Uh, He's still making the same mistakes as the younger players. Blake Barnett, nearly two. Only eight months for Jalen Hurts, and you can already see the talent and the difference. I think the ball comes out of Hurts' uh, hand the best. I think he's got the best arm talent. He just needs to be the guy eventually this season. Coach Saban will probably still try to protect him early, but I think by mid-season at the latest, I think Jalen Hurts will be the guy for the University of Alabama. Uh, this offense has got is a lot of youth for the first time under Coach Saban, so much youth up the middle. Uh, you've got a first-year starter at center who's just a redshirt sophomore in Ross Pierce Baker. Uh, you've got an inexperienced quarterback, and inexperienced running back. So I think the Tide uh, offensively is going to be a work in progress, but it could still be very good. Uh, but I would give Jalen Hurts a little bit of the offense at a time and continue to build on it as the season goes on. You know, I've heard people say, well, uh, Cooper Bateman uh, knows the entire offense. Uh, he needs to be the quarterback. But I'm not sure he can, with his skill set, his arm, he does not have the arm talent, even of Blake Barnett either. I just don't think he can execute half of that Uh playbook and he limits what you can do. Blake Barnett, I just think it's an issue. Uh, he'll still get an opportunity to compete in the next couple of weeks, but too many turnovers. Just too many mistakes. Uh, and Inconsistent ball placement and accuracy. He'll rip off two good throws and then he'll make three that just have you shaking your head. But there's just too many weapons. You've got the O.J. Howards, the Brandon Greens, the Hell Hinches. And then uh, Miller, Forrestal, and Irv Smith, five tight ends. You've got five or six wide receivers, a really good offensive line, uh, four solid backs, But you just got to figure out that quarterback position. And I feel like Jalen Hurts uh, is the future uh, of that. And defensively, uh, someone asked me right after the scrimmage what I thought. Uh, I, I compared them to the Kiss Song War Machine. I think these guys are going to be a great defense. William Redfish Barger has said he thinks they can be even better than last year. I think a lot of that will depend on the defensive line depth. Dalvin Tomlinson did not practice. Uh, He's been a little bit banged up with an ankle, same with Keith Holcomb. So they wanted to hold them out. But both of those guys will be involved in the two deep uh, at inside linebacker with Keith, of course, and then uh, at defensive line uh, with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. But he can play both end and inside in a four-man front. But your ones on defense, when they went with a three-man front, John Allen and Deshaun Hand at defensive end, Deron Payne uh, at, at the nose, outstanding. And they would uh, walk guys up, you know, up to the line in a four-man front. It would be Tim Williams. Then you would see Deshaun Hand kind of line up inside. So uh, the, uh, I just think overall the D line. Uh, Jamar King was with the twos a little bit. I think he's going to continue to develop same way with Raquan Davis. Quentin Williams was mostly with the threes and made some plays. Uh, but I think overall it's still a very talented uh, defensive line group uh, for the University of Alabama. Um, I think uh, Joshua Frazier is going to continue to get time with the twos as well and have a chance to uh, really help uh, at some point uh, uh, during the season. I think uh, he'll be rotating with the ones. But I think you're at those top four, uh, when Dalvin Tomlinson is in the lineup, if they can keep them healthy, uh, they're going to be hell for uh, opposing uh, offenses, no question about it. The outside, the linebacker core as a whole is the best of the Nick Saban era. This is the fastest, most, most athletic defense. They were all over the field, sideline to sideline on Saturday. Your inside linebackers, of course, the Mike is Reuben Foster, but he can play Mike and Will. Uh, same way with Sean Deion Hamilton, but Rashawn Evans was beside him, making a lot of plays at Will he's he plays the will spot and money in the dime defense cuz he's that good an athlete uh, but overall uh, the linebackers inside were Rashawn Evans and Reuben Foster we we mixed in Sean Dion Hamilton in there you would also when he's healthy mix in Keith Holcomb very good group the outside linebackers the starters the best tandem in the Nick Saban era at Sam uh, Ryan Anderson, he was tremendous in the scrimmage, uh, both pressuring the quarterback and playing the run. Saw Tim Williams flash against the run. We all know what he can do as a pass rusher. Uh, he's an outstanding football player. I thought that outside linebacker route was outstanding, and they've got depth there this year. Anthony Jennings starting to come back from a little bit of his back injury. that missed the season. He, he had a good spring. He's been a little nicked up with a shoulder, I think, this fall, but he's starting to come into his own. Christian Miller was a factor as a pass rusher uh, with the ones on third down, but with the twos is well and remember the name Terrell Hall. There were some reports that he was with the ones. I did not see that, but he was a wrecking machine uh, with the twos, making several tackles. He was tremendous. The linebacker core as a whole was outstanding. Uh, your secondary, uh, your when they went with they, they were in the nickel, as you know, most of the time. So uh, your corners were Marlon Humphrey and Anthony Averett. Uh, your nickelback uh, was uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, who had that interception. He has a little cast on his hand, but he was not limited at all. Didn't get a chance to ask Nick Saban about that. But Mika Fitzpatrick uh, looks to be okay. Your two safeties, Ronnie Harrison, and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson did return a Blake Barnett interception uh, for a touchdown about 60 yards. Uh, Eddie's a tremendous football player. Ronnie Harrison seems uh, much more comfortable. And I think I can tell you why uh, why, uh, Kendall Sheffield... And Maurice Smith left the program. There is so much young talent in the defensive backfield. Most all of them played with the twos. Uh, Cheyenne Carter did some nice things. Uh, Jared Maiden and then Aaron Robinson. He got a couple of uh, pass interference penalties. Robinson did for holding. He was very aggressive, uh, but he continued to play hard. And I believe he had an interception of Maurice Smith. I mean, excuse me, of, of a uh, an interception of a, uh, at the very end of. Uh, of uh, Jalen Hurts as well. So Aaron Robinson, the freshman uh, from Deerfield Beach, Florida, tremendous talent, really good-looking young player. But all those guys will continue to get reps and continue to get better. But that first unit on defense with a nickel package, then when they go to dime, usually it's going to be Hootie Jones. I think that he can play uh, in the other safety there. But I just really believe uh, overall it's a tremendous group uh, and you can uh, you can uh, move, and it's got a lot of moving pieces around. You can even put uh, sometimes Rashawn Evans can play the money spot with the ones uh, when you bring in Hootie Jones at the other safety. Uh, so I just really believe uh, this group overall is a tremendous uh, defensive secondary. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and we know that Ronnie Harrison can play the money as well with Hootie Jones coming in at the other safety. There's so many options for this team. Uh, this secondary has a chance, as Julio Jones said, to be the best. He told a good friend of mine he would be the best of the Nick Saban era, and I believe that. Uh, I think this secondary has a chance to be really special uh, and I think that's part of the quarterback's problem, too. Uh, the uh, th- This defense knows the plays that are coming, so it's very tough to move the ball, especially against the ones. There was not a whole lot of success running the ball, either outside the tackles or inside the tackles. But the one thing you could tell, Bo Scarborough on, a, on some occasions – was not uh, reading the hole the way he should have. He wasn't pressing the hole, wasn't running it up inside. He was trying to bounce everything outside. You can't do that against this Alabama defense. Uh, I know Burton Burns will be working with him on that. The the reason Joshua Jacobs scored on that eight, nine-yard run, which is the best of the scrimmage, is he ran the ball where he was supposed to and did a tremendous job breaking tackles. And you're not going to get many on those ones, but every now and then they will give up a play. But just overall, the first defense is outstanding. And, again, we talked about the uh, young kids in the secondary uh, that have been able to get some playing time, uh, the uh, uh, the Shaim Carters, the Aaron Robinsons, the Jared Maidens. They will continue. And Mac Wilson had some time with the twos. Uh, at inside linebacker playing the Will spot, so he's coming along as a player. Ben Davis was mostly with the threes, uh, but still a really good-looking athlete, someone you're going to see uh, with the special teams and see contribute. This freshman class is just flat-loaded. I talked about Quentin Williams playing with the threes, making some plays on the defensive line. Just a lot of talent. Jeremy Pruitt's got to be really excited to to see all these guys. As far as the special teams, J.K. Scott was a little inconsistent, but still hit several really well. Got some fortunate rolls on another couple. Uh, We we saw uh, uh, Adam Griffith miss a couple of field goals. One in the 30s, he missed that, and then he did clank a 51-yarder, had the distance off the upright, but he drilled a couple as well uh, from 30-plus yards. uh, Did a, a pretty good job overall. Uh, the young, uh, the, the walk-on kicker from Ole Miss. I can't even pronounce his last name. He did miss a 20-plus yard field goal, which was almost like an extra point. So, uh, Adam Griffith is by far your best option there. A lot of guys were repped on a punt and kickoff return, Savion Marks, not surprisingly, quite a bit. The sophomore, he also made a couple of catches on offense. He could be in your top six in your receiver rotation, but Calvin Ridley returned some punts. But Trevon Diggs got a lot of work at both. And the, the true freshman, he also saw some times with with the two that safety, And as I said, had an interception in Jalen Hurts. He's a tremendous athlete, and uh, we know Tony Brown will be back at some point to maybe help the secondary. Uh, but Trevon Diggs, and I do believe it was him and not Tony that uh, made the interception, interception, Interception uh, might be corrected later, but it was number seven. I believe this seven was Trevon because he was getting a lot of time with the twos. He's a special athlete. I think they're really gaining confidence in him on both sides of the ball. He played more safety than wide receiver and then returned kickoffs and punts. But Trevon Diggs is an outstanding athlete. Uh, and I think uh, you'll also – you could probably see our Darius Stewart back on some kickoff returns later in the uh, – maybe during the season as a more of a blocker. Uh, but I just really think uh, that Trevon Diggs uh, is going to be giving a long look at both uh, punt return and kickoff return. I know that uh, the punt return, that'd be another way for Calvin Ridley to touch the ball. Uh, but I think if they could get a guy like Travon Diggs that can do a really good job, uh, they would rather, uh, because of probably the workload Calvin's going to get on offense, he's probably still going to be the featured receiver, though. Robert Foster is very, very good. Uh, they want to save. Uh, the, those, those uh, reps and save uh, the energy and uh, uh, of Calvin Ridley for uh, playing uh, most of the snaps on offense and being the featured receiver. Could see Robert Foster maybe catching 50 or 60 passes, but I'm sure Lane Kiffin, you know, by game four is when Calvin Ridley came into his own, and he still caught 89 passes. So he's going to want to get uh, the football in Calvin Ridley's hands. Overall, uh, I would give the scrimmage a B. If I had to rate the quarterbacks, again, I would say uh, that uh, it would be Jalen Hurts, as I said earlier, Cooper Bateman, and Blake Barnett. I just really think Jalen Hurts has the most upside. And when there's not a lot of separation, if you continue to rep Jalen and give him work with the ones, I think he's just going to get better and better. Uh, he can, uh, you can bootleg him. Short passing game. I think none of them uh, were able to excel with the deep passing game. The first play of the game, I said about Bateman was a bust there. Uh, but overall, I think uh, Hertz's deep ball would get better and better, especially if the defense had to account for him on every down running the football. I think overall this team is very, very talented. Someone, uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of questions about: Are they good enough to get to the college football playoff? You know, If they can survive early, if they can find a way to beat a very good USC team in the opener, and if Jalen Hurts is starting to get comfortable by the time they play Ole Miss, I think if Jalen Hurts is as special as I think, Alabama can get to the college football playoff. No disrespect, I don't think Cooper Bateman can get this team to the playoff. Blake Barnett is too error-prone. Uh, the future, and we know David Cornwell is, is out of this deal with a foot injury, is Jalen Hurts. He's dynamic. Uh, He has outstanding running ability, but he can also throw the football. He's the son of a coach in Channel View, Texas. And when you think about it, these quarterbacks in this race, uh, you know, Cooper Bateman comes from the, city, the uh, state of Utah, did not play great competition in high school. He has improved a lot at Alabama, uh, but still, uh, I think, uh, has a limited skill set. Has kind of reached his ceiling, as Barton Simmons said when we talked with him on BAMS Radio last week. Uh, but, and then Blake Barnett, he has arm talent, he has ability, but he's prone to mistakes. He always is trying to make the big play instead of kind of taking what the defense gives him. He continues to implode four turnovers. You just can't have that. Jalen Hurts he has had a couple turnovers, but he has the potential on any play uh, to take a a run fifty yards for a touchdown or improvise or improvise on a pass and make a big play for a TD as he did in the first scrimmage when he had he hit OJ Howard for a fifty yard touchdown. He ran his own read for a fifty plus yard touchdown. He hit Robert Foster for a big play TD of about sixty yards. He brings you the ability to make explosive plays, and I think he's mature beyond his years. I know Nick Saban has never played a freshman quarterback before but uh, you know uh, there's always the outlier and always a special talent that can change everything and I think that's the, uh, what the case for the Crimson Tide this season and overall I think this Tide team can be very very good I think they're well coached uh, but I just think Coach Saban's probably also being a little political with the quarterbacks I don't think he'll name anyone until um, maybe right of the week of the first game and perhaps not until right before the first game but I, I would my right now I would would lean toward Cooper Bateman taking the first snap. Uh, but I think uh, Jalen Hurts will take the last one. It would not shock me at all. I know he will at least play, uh, and they will uh, give him some packages to try to execute. But if he starts moving the team, I think uh, that's really going to be the most telling situation. In the summer, we'd heard Blake Barnett had won the team, and they were getting very confident in him. But I think right now what's happened is Jalen Hurts has done that. going to be really interesting uh, the rest of this week to see how it all plays out. But that's where I see it right now for this Alabama football team. They're elite talent-wise throughout. It's one of the more talented freshman classes they've ever had. But they've got to figure out quarterback. If they can do so and help these running backs and these receivers with the mobility of a Jalen Hurts, I still think that their ceiling can be the college football playoff and winning the national title. But they're going to have to uh, – Lane Kiffin's going to have to, uh, you know, work magic for the third straight year and continue to develop an offense around uh, these special young man number two uh, from Channelview Texas well this is uh, my take on the scrimmage uh, some again it was a very uh, interesting Saturday in Tuscaloosa but just wanted to give a quick rundown of what I saw and some of the guys that I feel like are going to be uh, future uh, forces for the tide and uh, we look forward to uh, continuing uh, to uh, for, and I want you to continue to listen to Bam's radio and uh, with Thomas Watts and I we really appreciate it we uh, all the listeners uh, greatly uh, uh, you know we we, uh, we love you. Your interaction, love your supporting the show, uh, but uh, I'll be talking with y'all again soon. Just wanted to give you a quick rundown of the second scrimmage of fall camp 2016,
1: and that was the uh, very detailed breakdown from Drew DeArmond of the scrimmage. He was there; I had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. Uh, one of the few times, because generally in the press box, I'm on one side, he's on the other. But so we we could kind of put our heads together for some things, and I you know. I can't say I disagree with what he thought. And I think we've seen that played out since with Phil Savage's comment, very fast, very athletic defense, da-da-da-da-da. And then the multiple conversations of Cooper Bateman's going to keep the chair warm. The metaphor I use is keep the chair warm for Jalen Hurts, but that remains to be seen. Uh, Before I go to the other recording that I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a an answer a question from RTR1 in our chat. A long time, long time person in chat. Great to have him around, and uh, really appreciate him stopping by. He asked me uh, to talk about Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams and how they looked in the scrimmage. And I don't mean to subhead what has been said, but very athletic guys. And the question for Tim Williams was always. Does he hold up against the run? And from my vantage point, he did a pretty solid job with that. Now, is he going to be the 300-pound, five-technique defensive end that can just stone a side? No, that's not Tim Williams' game. Tim Williams is a different kind of player. So as long as he is even decent to solid against the run, he is completely elite as a pass rusher, as Alabama fans well know. And it, it's interesting. I was, I was doing this before the show. There are NFL scouts like Roto World had a story of calling Tim Williams the predator because he just comes at you and he has such a developed toolkit as a specialty pass rusher. That's, you know Alabama fans obviously already knew that, but he's making waves in NFL communities. And that, that's a good sign his thing is I think he is going to play. He's obviously going to play a lot more, but I think he's going to have an impact, not just on pass rushing downs, but in the run game as well. And what I really wanted to focus on though is Rashawn Evans and Rashawn Evans is an interesting schematic tool for Jeremy Pruitt. And if you listen to my other show, Alabama scheme team with Murph Baldwin, we're generally going Wednesdays and Fridays now. So give us a listen on Bama sports radio Murph, raved about Ohio State's Darren Lee, formerly of Ohio State, now with the New York Jets with the 20th pick in this most recent NFL draft. And what Lee could do was seamlessly transition from either a base defense to a nickel or a nickel defense to a dime based on he didn't have to leave the field. He, did, he didn't Darren Lee let Ohio State not sub against an up tempo team. Well, you're seeing that with Rashawn Evans playing inside with Ruben Foster or as the money position in dime. And that's important. It's for the same reasons that Darren Lee's ability to contribute for Ohio State is important. Evans can both stand up against the run to a certain extent. You know, he's never going to be a huge run stuffer either. But he can be a, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. Go cover that tight end. Okay, I can do that. Go cover that slot receiver. I mean, he's, he's a big, you know, safety-looking type prospect. He's a super heavy. He's like a jumbo safety. But he can do that, and that's huge. And Alabama's been very good, particularly last year. They did a ton of work solving their substitution issues against hurry-up-no-huddle teams. And it wasn't as big a problem last year for the Crimson Tide. This is just another evolution in that. You put a Rashawn Evans and a now slimmed down Reuben Foster, great point, RTR in chat. This is why you should be in chat when you listen to BAMS Radio Live, you silly listeners. But you, you put a group of guys on the field that if for some reason Alabama can't substitute, you know they, the, the opposing offense keeps running plays into their sidelines. Because you'll notice one of the keys to subbing for Alabama is if you run a play into the Alabama sideline, the ball's set on that hash. You can still sub there. It's not easy, but it's doable. If you're only running to the opposing team sideline, you're having to run across the hashes, and guys are having to, you know, recombobulate themselves out and get off the opposing sideline. But with a, a Ruben Foster that has slimmed down, and particularly Rashawn Evans. It's just another tool in the toolbox, and it's not like there's going to be a major drop off. You know, they wouldn't let Evans be learning this if they didn't think he could do it, and they being the coaching staff, of course. So, uh, again, I, I hope that that has answered RTR's question and given a little bit of a little context as to the importance of that situation. I have to say I haven't told Murph about this little development for Scheme Team, but uh, keep an eye out for that because he's probably going to gush. So moving on, I want to reemphasize a couple of things. First off, as I said at the beginning of the show, the first tailgate for BAMS Radio is going to be collecting money to donate to Baton Rouge flood relief funds. Uh, Another, again, I said at the start, Quick hat tip to Go Crimson on Twitter for giving me some guidance on that. And uh, here's how it's going to work: this year our tailgates are potluck style. We'd ask you to bring, you know, some a food item, you know, whatever you choose, or five dollars, and that that get that gets you in, if you will. You know, we're not going to you know cordon it off, but that gets that that gets you, you know, free run of the tailgate. And from there, any donations made, you know, essentially. Put some money in the hat, as it were. That's going for this first one to Baton Rouge. And uh, we really look forward to seeing you for that first tailgate and hope to hope to see you in front of Moore Hall, same spot as we've always been, carrying on, being crazy at the BAMS radio, Sunbelt Inflatable Tent. You know, Give Billy a call if you want one of those. They're a fantastic product. Now, tailgate aside... I do have another 20 minutes worth of audio to play. It's from a, an interview that Drew did with John Garcia, at Scout.com, about recruiting. Before I do that, I, I want to emphasize, if you have a question for me, if you want to just talk some football one-on-one, you can ask on Twitter, at BAMS Radio. I've got that up on one of my many windows. You can give us a call at 714-510-3707. I, I would love to talk to you. It's, it's kind of awkward just talking to a computer screen. Or jump in our chat. Uh, RTR and I are going back and forth, having a good time. I have to admit that I've gone quiet because I have to talk more. But jump in, have a good time. If there's something, if there's some burning question, I'll do my best to answer. And if I don't know, I'll simply say, I don't know. So, you know, give, give, us, give us a holler in any form of media that you feel comfortable with. But while I'm waiting for that, I will go in and play this interview. This is about 20 minutes long from uh, – Drew DeArmond, and John Garcia from earlier this week, mid uh, morning talking ball on ESPN 97.7 in Huntsville.
3: And that is John Garcia, Jr. John, welcome on the Neighbor's Wealth Management Hotline. How are you this morning?
1: Always a
0: pleasure to be here, Drew. Uh, always appreciate you having me as well.
3: Absolutely. And did you uh, – a good friend of mine, Justin Graves, actually when he was at the Hartzell-Coleman game this past Friday, his, his phone was a casualty of said weather. I know you were supposed to be in uh, Montgomery for Hoover and uh, Central Phoenix City, uh, and, and you were. Uh, did you survive, sir, uh, and they come out
0: unscathed? I wouldn't say unscathed, but the phone did survive. You know, I, had, you know I, I I keep it in the pocket. I really try to hold it in there. My camera took a little bit of a beating, but, but we still got all of the clips recovered. We dried it out, so we should be good to go. For this coming week, but, yeah, it was it was just a monsoon. Uh, and it came out of nowhere. I mean, it, we put up video of Markel Benton yesterday, and you watch it. It looks beautiful the first quarter and a half. And then right around halftime it just opened up. And, and there's actually some clips where it's just straight pouring. Um, but we hung in there uh, before we decided to go up and film the rest from the press box.
3: And then uh, the Hoover Bucks win that game and uh, uh, played very good defense. But Markel Benton, even in a losing cause, a good first chapter for him, John.
0: Yeah, you know, I think this is the best I've ever seen him, and that's a compliment because we've been high on him for a long time. Um, he's always been in the conversation as the top defensive prospect in the state right now. Uh, he is that guy for for us on scout. For me personally, he's number two behind LeBron Ray. Um, so we've always been high on him, but I think this was the best combination of everything. I think early in his high school career, Bigger, thumper, sort of like what we thought about Mac Wilson a year ago, just a strong downhill, hit kid. Uh, and then he flashed some ability in space uh, over the last year or so, carried that into this summer. So this was sort of the altogether version of Mark Benton. He blitzed well. He contained well. And, and most importantly, I think, because he's always had the physical attributes, he led well. And, and that stuff gets taken into account in our evaluations. You know, how how do you lead? He was always the young guy who, who was playing varsity, but now he's the senior, uh, and it really looked like it on Friday night. That was the most impressive thing, although if you see the clips there, and they're free on scout, uh, he was dominant. You know, his side of the field was basically avoided eventually by Hoover. He impacted the passing game and the running game. He forced two fumbles, although only one of them, um, was, was legally a fumble. The other one was ruled down, although our video shows that the runner was not down. So he impacted the game just about every way uh, an inside linebacker could. Uh, and he played everywhere, inside, outside, hand in the ground a couple times, stand up on the edge a couple times. So um, good versatility, good leadership, and physical things that we, we've always liked about Benton uh, and then some.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And 23-7, to the Bucks. Uh, beat the Red Devils, but uh, we know how talented that Central Phoenix City squad is. Another prospect to watch, he's coming off an ACL injury, was Justin Ross. Uh, Did did he get off to a slow start? What was his performance like, John?
0: His performance was fine. You know, you mentioned Hoover's defense. They weren't going to let Justin Ross beat them. You know, it's our number one junior in the entire state uh, going into this this year. Uh, So he was bracketed most of the time, and Hoover always has – Good technical defensive back, so they were trying to jam him at the line with a safety over the top. So he only had a couple of grabs, um, but he still flashed. You know, he had a nice punt return where he showed some wiggle despite being you know six five, one ninety five or so, uh, and that's what's scary. You know, I think a lot of people look at him and Nico Collins, you know, in this 2017 class and see a lot of similarities. But one of the knocks, of uh, a few knocks, uh, on Nico. Is maybe a lack of explosion, and that's something that Justin Ross doesn't deal with. That explosion is evident early uh, in his career, and he's carried it over despite that ACL. So surely he needs to polish up like Nico has, and work on his hands and route running like Nico has as well to be in that same conversation as a five-star guy. But um, he has some of the boxes checked, maybe that Nico didn't early on, and that's where it gets really scary because they're both you know six-five ridiculous mismatches one-on-one at any level. So Ross has all the tools, uh, but most importantly for him now, he's healthy and he's still flashing that ability that we like so much.
3: And then uh, on the other side for Hoover, uh, we've heard some things about Shedrick Jackson, uh, the nephew of Bo Jackson. Uh, he had a 100-yard day for the Bucks. it looks like, on three catches uh, their quarterback Farquhar was solid. Uh, did you see anybody that, that you're going to be watching? And uh, this Hoover program is so consistent, but may not right. have maybe the star, the star power.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've, they've got guys all over the field. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, they've got multiple two lane commitments: running back CJ Sturdivant, linebacker um, KJ Vault. Both of those guys flashed Vault mm-hmm. uh, in particular. I think he's a nice guy, you know, in today's climate where you got to play on the edge, you got to play in space, but really all of their linebackers. Colby Coleman is committed to Bowling Green. He showed out. I thought he was rock solid. He's a bigger, a little thicker, you know, inside linebacker type. Um, But there's this kid, Christian Taylor, that I really didn't know much about. You know, he's uh, number 40. He was the other linebacker. So initially I'm looking at those two committed guys, and then this other kid just randomly. But he flashed just as much, and he had sort of a Benton-like day where he lined up inside, outside, rushed the passer, did a little bit of everything. You know, six foot two twenty-five, so he's got good size on him as well. Uh, and that's what we see with Hoover. You know, they have guys on guys on guys. Not necessarily SEC, you know, clear power five guys, but they've got a bevy of FBS prospects. Uh, so that linebacking core, really good. Uh, you mentioned it. I mean, they held Central Phoenix City to seven points for goodness hmm. sakes with a really good dual-threat quarterback, a good running back in Jackson Carson. We know about Justin Ross. So anybody who holds them in single digits deserves high praise. I don't think that will happen the rest of the way. I think Central will be among the most explosive offenses in the state. So for Hoover to shut them down, you know they've got good athletes. You know they've got good coaching from Josh Niblett. But that linebacking core really is what stood out to me.
3: And then uh, there was a shootout at the OK Corral with uh, the Clay Chalkwell Cougars and the Florence Falcons. Uh, Thirty fifty three to forty eight Clay Chalkville wins. Uh, talk about Nico Collins. I know he had a huge night.
0: You know, and that's, and that's what we talked about earlier. You know, he he checks just about every box that you could throw out there. You know, size you can't teach six five, and he's over two hundred pounds now. So it's I mean I cannot imagine trying to cover him in high school. Um, so Florence couldn't either. Nobody will be able to uh, in the state of Alabama. But, again, he's polished up. You know, uh, a year or two ago we were saying things like we were saying about Ross, polish up the routes, maybe more consistency with his hands, things like that. He's worked on those things. Now he's got some of the strongest hands in the country. His routes have improved immensely in the last year to year and a half. So all that's being put together, and it's uh, honestly it's, it's not fair to some degree at the high school level. Um, he, He's a, a polished product, big kid, uh, and he's got some wiggle after the catch as well. You know, not known for his, his physicality, um, maybe as much as he should be, uh, but he can make some plays after he catches the football despite being such a big guy. He's not just a catch-the-ball-and-get-tackled type of wide receiver. So no surprise Nico goes off, uh, and no surprise. I mean, that, that's going to be the theme all year long for Clay Chalkwell, just like it has been the last couple of years.
3: And any change with Nico Collins' recruitment at all?
0: Uh, not to my knowledge you know it, the the biggest thing is is the timeline Nico's going to take his time from my understanding and I think that's good news for Bama that's good news for Georgia Clemson Florida State Auburn anybody chasing Michigan at this point that's great news um I expect him to take all of his visits so again long way to go yes Michigan you know his public leader as he announced in July um uh, but a long way to go so we'll see how it materializes but certainly Jim Harbaugh and company, you know, would be considered the favorite still to this day.
3: And now, to kind of update the wide receiver group, we we've seen some things develop because of the tragedies in uh, Louisiana in the Baton Rouge area with Devonte Smith uh, from Ameet, Louisiana. Uh, he now is going to put off his decision. Was going to commit on the fifteenth, but the weather was such a factor, and he had a lot of teammates affected, a lot of families. Uh, now he did not uh, at first announce a new timeline. Now telling uh, scout.com Scout dot com, it will likely be signing day. So how does that affect Alabama's wide receiver recruiting board and where it stands, John?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. You know, a kid who, again, our sources said had already made his decision, and that August fifteenth press conference was just to announce said decision. So you think of that, and then he reschedule and you think, okay, well, he'll you know he'll do it again here fairly soon, um, of course, that was not the case. You know, that was, that was a groundbreaking report uh, put in on, on Saturday. Uh, so now that it's going to February 1st, I think it affects a lot because now there's no receiver seemingly close to committing to Bama right now. Henry Ruggs also pushed things back. He wants to take some visits first. Now, will it surprise me if Ruggs and or Smith, you know, jumps the gun and commits sooner than their new expectations? Uh, no, it wouldn't surprise me. And I think that would be the best news for Bama because I think Bama leads for both of those four-star, or both of those blue-chip prospects right now, Smith, a five-star himself. But um, it could allow for other guys to to sort of sneak up there uh, and maybe make a commitment to Alabama as to where if they already had Smith and Ruggs on board, they might have been done with the receiver class having four total commitments at that that group or at that position. So I think other guys, you know, um, like Joseph Lewis, the number one receiver in the country who recently visited and wants to try to get back for an official visit from California. He could be a guy to keep a closer eye on. Jeff Thomas, who's one of the top slot receivers in the country, visited over the summer, wants to come back. I think Missouri has moved up his list and maybe matched Alabama, but now that there could be more room at Alabama, maybe he returns and is a guy to focus a little bit more on. Mark Webb, a receiver from the Northeast, Uh, he's, Named Bama his leader in recent months. He's a package deal with DeAndre Swift though. Swift is committing on September 1st. Georgia, the favorite there. So, if he commits to Georgia, what does that do for Web? You know, so there's a lot of scenarios at the wide receiver position. I mean, they hosted James Robinson, a four-star from Florida, for the first time this weekend. He liked it. He wants to come back. So, it could enable for a name we maybe weren't expecting initially. However, as of today, I would still expect the same four names: Judy. Tyrell Shavers, the current commitments, and then Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs, though certainly uh, not a guarantee and not as much of a a potential lock as we once thought.
3: And then uh, Alabama seemingly getting involved with another wide receiver in Florida by the name of Robinson.
0: Yeah, James Robinson, as we said, he visited this weekend, wants to come back. Uh, He put out a new top five. You know, Bama really hasn't been in the discussion with, with Robinson but now it is uh, Ole Miss, another SEC school in there, Florida as well. And then some wild cards, you know, Oklahoma and UCLA. So kids from the south often want to venture out. So I expect him to take the visits, but I do expect Tuscaloosa to be one of those visits, whether it's official or otherwise. So I think James Robinson, a big physical kid, 6'3", 200 pounds. If you watch the opening, he had three one-headed catches that basically – together were the best plays of the opening so i mean he's a guy who can do a lot of things there's some question marks with him off the field um so i think schools are going to dip into that research a little bit longer but on the field there's no debating his talent and obviously you know schools have reciprocated that in alabama it is sort of the new school in the mix for him so we'll see how much it pushes for robinson and see if he gets back on campus more importantly
3: absolutely and uh, then a big decommit last night, John, and really this is, wasn't a shocker uh, to too many people, uh, but he's back on the board, and Alabama has always been very interested in him, as has Georgia at the in-state program, but Aubrey Solomon uh, decommitting from Michigan.
0: Yeah, that's you're right. You know, It wasn't a shocker that he decommitted. It was a huge shocker that he committed to Michigan, because it really seemed like it was going to be a Georgia-Bama, maybe USC battle. He does have some family out on the West Coast, so... You know, they do the satellite camp, you know, at Lee County, Michigan does, and then he goes up and falls in love. And that's basically what he admitted yesterday. Look, I fell in love with Michigan, uh, kind of a caught-up-in-the-moment thing, and then two months later, you know, back down to the normal pace of of things in Lee County, Georgia, and he backs off of the commitment. And now, once again, it looks like a Georgia-Bama-USC-Florida-Florida-State sort of situation. And I think that's what people expected all along, that it would eventually – be like that. Um I do think it's a Bama, Georgia thing at the top. I think those other schools are chasing those too. Uh the in state Bulldogs certainly should feel good. You know, he's from Kirby Smart territory down in South Georgia and he's an in state guy. So they're gonna prioritize him. They have not stopped recruiting him. As you mentioned, Alabama has not stopped recruiting him as well. Bama was his leader at one time before that Michigan commitment. So I think uh that could still resonate with him. I do expect him to take visits, and I do expect another commitment, probably mid to late season. And I, I think that will actually wrap up his recruitment. I don't think he'll be uh, a guy to make a commitment, and then boom, on signing day it's the third school that he ends up uh, landing at. I think Solomon really wants to hit the reset button, but I do expect another return trip to Bama, maybe another one to Georgia, possibly getting out to USC for an official visit to see where his family uh, is in respects to Los Angeles, things like that, um, but hard to imagine him leaving that SEC footprint after backing off this Michigan pledge. And and like you said, big news for Bama. This is one of the top targets, uh, one of the best defensive tackles, top 100 prospects in the country in a weak year at that position. So it's going to be a tough fight for those top guys, and and Solomon is certainly one of them.
3: And then hearing this weekend after their uh, Jamboree opener, they were very impressive, uh, 35 to nothing over the Decatur Red Raiders and that we were speaking to the James Clemens Jets, that Monty Rice visited Alabama. The word has been that Alabama wanted to watch his first three games, John. uh, He had a very solid performance with an interception and five tackles in that win. Uh, Is that significant, or did he make the visit, and is that significant in your mind?
0: It's important. uh, I was told the same thing. Bama, their interest in Monty is increasing here as we go along. Now, does that help? You know, with LeBron Ray, he's, you know, Kyrie McDonald, his other teammate is committed. All of that could only help. Because if, if they're going to end up at the same school, which is something they have talked about, it's no secret that it would be Alabama. Uh, and Rice is maybe the biggest Bama fan growing up of the three. So there's no problem on his end, it's on Bama's end uh, to make this thing happen. We're hearing now that the interest in him is increasing. The first three games, always critical for a senior process, really the first three films, not games, because he mentioned it was a jamboree. Uh, but he did what he had to do game one. We'll see if he could do it going forward. I am hearing that the numbers could be expanding a little bit. There's certainly been some attrition with the Alabama program. So if so, he could be a guy more likely to end up in Alabama's class. Uh, and, and Monty's handled it the right way from his end. He's really been patient with it, not jumping the gun and, and committing somewhere just to commit or hold the spot. He's really going to wait to see all of his options, and it would be um, not so smart to not think Bama is the top of that list in terms of the options he's waiting to truly find out more on. So that could be something that develops here over the next month or so. Uh, He's definitely a name for Bama fans to focus on a little more than maybe they were a month ago.
3: And uh, the jet-setting Arnold Stedham, a great friend of both of ours, (laughs) who works for BamaMag.com. Did an outstanding job going to the source, and that is Antioch High School out in California to talk uh, to the head football coach there. And Najee Harris, who we know does not do a whole lot of media, but I thought it was an outstanding piece with video from Arnold. Your thoughts on Najee uh, and Scout.com has really had the best relationship with that young man.
0: Yeah, you know, Najee, he's, he's, he's a conundrum to some degree. You know, his favorite player, and it makes sense because he's from the Bay Area, his favorite player is Marshawn Lynch, who's also from the Bay Area, similar running styles, big, strong, and and their personalities are similar as well. If you ask Marshawn Lynch about football, you may not get nothing, but if you ask him about video games, kittles, or just hanging out, you might get the best interview of your life, and Najee has really likened to Lynch in that way, so not going to talk much about recruiting, Um, did say the Michigan visit was dope, for those wondering, and that's the (laughs) word he used, dope, but he did say that things are great with Alabama, always good, he's looking to get back most likely for the Auburn game, and maybe the best news coming out of it is that we did confirm that the only visit planned as of right now is that Iron Bowl trip for Najee Harris. We don't know if it's an official visit, but timing of it couldn't be better because now Naji is, is looking to finish up his academics at Antioch High School and graduate in December. So if you're on campus, you know, the last week of November and you're graduating the following month before playing in the all Army All American games, not a lot of time to take visits elsewhere. So Bama could very well get the last recruiting visit for the number one prospect in the country. Uh and no other trips are currently set. So I think all of that bodes very well for the Crimson Tide. Again, he's a different type of kid, and the fact that he likes Marshawn Lynch maybe gives you a gateway to his mentality on the field. He's the number one player in the country, but he could care less about it. He wants to help his team win. He has no personal goals for this season. He's not trying to get a certain amount of yards or touchdowns or anything like that. He just wants to win football games, win a state championship, which uh, his team will be favored to do so. And that's his mentality in looking at a college as well. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be the five-star number one player in the country recruit. He just wants to be a guy. He wants to be another guy. And I think that, maybe more than anything, should make Bama fans feel very confident about holding on to him. Won't be easy because everybody and their mother will be trying to make a move for him, and understandably so. But based on all that and the fact that he's been committed for 16 months, you've got to feel good for your a Bama fan here.
3: And, John, where will you be Friday night if you made up your mind?
0: Oh man, it's it's tough. I'm, I'm still debating. There's some good games in Florida. There's a lot of kids there. I want to see. Georgia's got some good ones. IMG Grayson on Saturday, where there's like 40 kids are <laughs> Division One prospects competing, and that's not even an exaggerated number. Right. So uh, I haven't figured it out just yet, uh, but but still debating. Either way, uh, we'll be busy. Uh, and we'll be getting some video out. We still have more video to get out of guys like Alec Jackson, Tank Jenkins, who we saw on Thursday night this past week. So we're still working on last week before we shift gears to this week. Uh, but certainly we're looking forward to being on the field and, and being dry this Friday night.
3: And where can they connect with you, John?
0: Yeah, on Twitter, you know, Scout H S Alabama. If you're looking for the state of Alabama news, it was an eventful week one, and we've got coverage on a lot of those big storylines, videos, interviews, photos, everything you want on the newest uh, year getting going uh, And then for the Bama side of things
1: BamaMag.com At BamaMag on Twitter Or you're
0: truly for a combination of both At John Garcia
1: underscore. And that was Drudy Armond with John Garcia Of Scout.com A whole bunch of nuggets there uh, Very interesting stuff And uh, I'll, I'll take Najee Harris in the fold That's, that's all I'm going to say about that personally But anyway moving on About 20 minutes left in the show Still got uh, phone lines if you want to have a question. Shoot me a a call at 714-510-3707. I'd love to hear from you. In the interim time, I got another question from our chat that I was asked about, and it's about the special teams. And this is an interesting situation. Uh, J.K. Scott continues to launch punts at a fairly prodigious rate, but it wasn't a constant thing at least that's what it was not what it was saturday in his defense the alabama defense was exceptionally dominant throughout the alabama offense was stuck in the mud for most of the most of the scrimmage so jk scott was launching a punt every what felt like 2 or 3 minutes it was it was a three and out fest it, you know taking the the concept of 3 yards in a cloud of dust and making it a half a yard in a cloud of dust was a lot of what we saw this past Saturday. So, JK Scott is I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I just it was kind of one of those things of you're going to have a bad kick as your sample size increases. That's just pure quite frankly science. <laughs> Law of averages. Now, the interesting thing is Adam Griffith And Drew mentioned it in his scheme, his uh, scrimmage breakdown, but Adam Griffiths didn't have a great day, but Adam Griffiths has has had a good fall camp. And I get the impression because I refuse to, I'm not going to say what, uh, what Nick Saban said to the group. I, I think that should be kept in house, quite frankly, not saying someone else can't, but I'm not going to. But Adam Griffith has had a good fall, and so there's no real reason to jump on Griff about having a bad day. Now, if he pulls a, an iron bowl and has and misses a whole bunch of kicks, well, okay, maybe. But that has yet to happen. So don't. Bar, my advice to Bama fans the world over: don't borrow trouble with Griff. He is fine he is you know heck, last season he started out bad but then he ripped off 17 of 20 it's a pretty good pretty good average you know it's not NFL level but I don't think Adam Griffith will ever be an NFL kicker and expecting to be Roberto Aguayo at least the college version of Roberto Aguayo those poor Tampa Bay fans is a little much I did get one more question and uh, if I don't get a phone call I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang it up, you know, let us off a little bit early. Uh, you know, my, that's what I tell my students all the time, and they love me for it. So hopefully we can transition it to radio. Question about Trevon Diggs. Now, Trevon Diggs is an interesting character, just, just arrived at Alabama in his last recruiting cycle. Uh, you, if you recognize the last name, his older brother, Stefan, was a five-star recruit that committed to Maryland, played at Maryland, now plays for the Minnesota Vikings. Fantasy football people might, might want to take a look at him. I think you can find value in not that, in that wide receiver. But, you know, that's where you might know the names. The, nick, the name Diggs. Trevon Diggs, though, has come in and been extremely impressive. Uh, apparently he's had a little growth spurt. He's about 6'2", and he has played both safety and wide receiver for the Crimson Tide throughout the fall camp. He spent some time that I saw with, I believe, the second unit at safety, and then he put on a penny, a you know, yellow penny. All, the, all those old soccer fans out there know exactly what I'm talking about and did some wide receiving, you know, ran some routes as a wide receiver. So just the way I look at him is just an athletic freak. I mean, a guy that's in that rare air that you want to get him on the field and uh, you you want to see him produce. At some level, I think that he will end up being the primary kick returner just if only to keep more tread on Calvin Ridley's tires because he did. He's done some of that and that they know that does sidestep, you know, the Xavier Marxes or whoever in the world. But you want to get Trevon Diggs on the field. That's really the bottom line now where he fits the best. That that much remains to be seen. I think he ends up sticking at safety because of how deep the wide receiver group is, but maybe something happens. But I think look for Trevon Diggs to be at worst a contributor on special teams. And I have a caller and I think I know who this is. So I'm going to, yes, I know exactly who this is. I'm going to make this person live I think we have uh, Kevin from Kentucky. Kevin, how are you this evening? Good. How are you doing? Well, I didn't expect to be by myself for as much of the show as I am, but we're we're muddying through. Thanks for calling
4: this evening. Uh, Well, I'll keep it short because I heard you say you wanted to let the class out early. (laughs) I teach too much,
1: but no, no, no. I just – I have to say thank you for calling. And uh I appreciate the time. So what you got for us tonight?
4: I just wanted to give a quick synopsis on the Jedrick Wills recruitment. Um I'll give a scaled down version of what I gave on Drew's show two days ago on 97.7 the zone. Um Alabama fans need not worry about why he has not gone public with his commitment. Uh he's a solid private commitment to the University of Alabama and that will not change. Uh so any rumors you hear that it's Still thinking about UK or anybody else is 100% false. Um, There's reasons why he is not going to go public. One of them has to do with his high school uh, was involved in a bench clearing brawl Friday night and their win over Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School. Jedrick had absolutely nothing to do with the fight, uh, but unfortunately he and most of his teammates left the bench area and walked out onto the field just to stand there and watch. And unfortunately, under KHSA rules, uh, that means a mandatory two-week suspension. Um, so I think that has something to do with why uh, his uh, commitment hasn't gone uh, out on Twitter, which is going to be the avenue. But it's it's a done deal to the University of Alabama, and he's an outstanding young man off the field. Uh, he's a 4.5 honor student at Lafayette High School, and I can proudly report that uh, he's going to be the first pre-med student at the University of Alabama for Nick Saban, and the young man's only 17 years old. Well,
1: I can appreciate academics um when i 'm not doing radio things i'm a doctoral student, so anytime someone's going to push themselves in the academic realm i'm very quick to fall in behind and you know support the hell out of them because that that's awesome that that's that's really cool and uh the only thing the only unfortunate fact about that is good luck having any kind of social life because wow pre med and
4: he He comes from a phenomenal family structure, uh, which has to do with why he's a person of such high character uh, off the field and is so highly motivated. um, I'll call him longer. We have more time to give the reason of why he chose the University of Alabama because it's a really unique story. Um, But he's a highly motivated uh, young man, and he's just going to be an outstanding addition um, not only to to their football team but to the University of Alabama community as a whole. Wow. And with –
1: Jedrick Wills in the fold and Alex Leatherwood, who I know William Redfish Barger is very high on. And, you know, not even mentioning Jonah Williams this year. That's going to, that's going to, it's a pretty good offensive line group to pick from, if you ask me. So, uh, wow. It is. And, and I, have, I have to admit, I hadn't heard any of this about Mr. Wills. I, I haven't kept my finger on the pulse the way
4: I should have. So I appreciate the information, Kevin. That was really excellent. Well, the family's done an outstanding job of keeping his recruitment uh, rather quiet. Um, I have the advantage of living here in Lexington and being uh, now close to the family, and we'll leave it at that. Um, So it's it's helped, but i just – I can't say enough about what an outstanding uh, family structure the young man has. And the support from the school, uh, the principal at Lafayette high school uh, told me Friday night that they're all excited at the thought that one of their own is going to come play for the university of Alabama and play for Nick Saban. So the whole school is excited to see Jedrick play for the number one college football program in America, which I think is pretty special.
1: Oh, absolutely. That, that community support is uh it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty cool. I know that, uh, when I was in high school kicking back, one of our quarterback went to Jack state, I think. And it was interesting watching even McGill Tulin, you know, probably a thousand student school at this point, all of them were behind the kid. You know, he didn't ever pan out as an NFL guy, but that's really cool. And, uh, again, I appreciate the insight. Uh, and I hope, I hope our listeners do too. So, uh, I definitely am going to have to get you to call back and pry
4: the full story,
1: <laughs> pry, pry the full story out about this young man. <laughs>
4: I will. And uh, you uh, have to, re- people need to understand that uh, he's really going against the fold here locally. Damien Harris had the advantage of being from Berea, Kentucky, which is a small community about 45 minutes south of Lexington. It's still UK country, but uh, he had it a little bit easier. Uh, Jedrick is getting the full brunt uh, from the Big Blue Nation. In fact I think his car was egged at school a couple days ago. So uh when he does go public, we all need to show the love to him on Twitter and let him know how much we appreciate him uh make him the right choice and that is choosing the University of Alabama.
1: Well I uh, I have pretty 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 good solid faith that there's at least a group of Alabama fans on Twitter that'll uh that'll send love his way. Uh, I I control enough Bama accounts that I will make it happen. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, you know, Kevin, again, I can't thank you enough for calling and letting us in on this young man's story. But do uh, you have anything else for us, or, or am I dismissing the class a couple of minutes early?
4: No, I want to let the class get out early. I was just trying to help you a little bit, but I just wanted to pass along. I know there's not a lot of information about the young man, but I just wanted to let everybody know that it is going to be Alabama and what an outstanding young man we are getting. Great.
1: Well, I, preci- I appreciate the assist, and I appreciate the information. You have a great rest of your evening, and roll tide. You too, roll tide. That was uh, Kevin from Lexington. A little, little insider information on current cycle, uh, Jedrick Wills, a tackle in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I have to say, you know, just my at first blush, listening to the conversation, I have to, I'm pretty excited. You know, like I told Kevin, I'm, I'm an academic to the core. I mean, hell, I should probably be working on a paper right now, but I'm doing a radio show. So, you know, anybody that will push themselves in the academic field, I'm a fan of, and I'm really. I, I, now I am officially excited. But anyway, it is 10 minutes left in the show. I will give that 10 minutes to everybody else to go out, be merry, and cheer for the Crimson Tide. We'll be back next week. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we might have to do it a little bit differently because I am traveling to the game, but you will have your two hours-ish of BAM's radio. It might be pre-recorded, but we will have it out there for you next Thursday. But that's it for this episode of BAM's radio. Big thank you to Drew DeArmond for supplying some audio, and thanks to William Redfish Barger for lending us his insight for hour number one. This is Thomas Watts. It's been a great show, but it's time for us to get up out of here. Everyone have a great weekend, and roll tide.
3: an emergency hotline help my mom doesn't think i need to go back to school you have to go to school it's the law you didn't let me finish she doesn't think i need to go back to school shopping that should be a law go to old navy you'll be voted best dressed before school even starts old navy yes right now kids clothes are up to 60 percent off 60 percent off yeah the hallway will be your runway they have awesome graphic tees colorful active gear and jeans start at just ten dollars now you're talking thank you don't thank me thank old navy balance 728 to 92 select styles only